The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Interesting people, relatable stories, relevant, topical. This is 630 Chad Afternoons with Jaylen Nye. Monday to you, Rob Breckenridge with you here this afternoon on the Chorus Radio Network. So today, under the dome of the Alberta Legislature, for the first time since we learned about Bill 22 a week ago, the opposition leader was able to question the Premier on that legislation. Now, the regrettable thing about that is that this is all after the fact. It's a moot point now. I think regardless of how you feel about Bill 22 what the government's attempting to do in consolidating various positions, making changes to certain boards and agencies, making some changes to teachers and WCB pensions as it pertains to AIMCO, all of that. Even if you support all of that, uh, it was certainly all done, I think, in a rather unseemly manner. Number one, why was all of this crammed into one piece of legislation? A lot of this could have been broken out into separate piece of legislation, allow some proper debate and scrutiny of those bills. It was all crammed into one big bill. Secondly, debate was limited, extremely limited. First, second, third reading, royal assent all happened uh, just within a few days last week. It was literally just hours set aside to debate this massive bill. Now, the funny thing is that the Alberta government has tried to maintain that there was a need to get this done as quickly as possible. And there was also a need for the premier to be in Texas last week on this trade mission. But why did both have to occur last week? If that trade mission needed to happen last week, then why wasn't Bill 22 introduced the week before or the week before that? Why not this week? It is, I think, kind of a laughable proposition to suggest that anything prior to last week was too soon and anything after last week was too late. So number one is is the fact that they packed all of this into one bill, and number two is obviously the fact that the premier... uh, engineered it, I think, so that he was nowhere to be seen when this was being debated and voted on. And I think that's pretty shameful. Uh, So both of those, I think, are really bad looks on this government. Uh, So today, under the dome, an opportunity for the opposition leader, of course, uh, as you might recall, herself got uh, kicked out of the the House for a bit last week following the debate around Bill 22. Rachel Notley, though, able to ask Jason Kenney some questions about all of this today, and here's how some of that went down. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's good to be back, and I also offer welcome back to the Premier. Bill 22, jammed through the legislature while the Premier was in Texas, is an abuse of power that breaches the rule of law. The Premier fired the Elections Commissioner in the midst of active investigations into him, members of his caucus, and members of his party. The House Leader had the gall to tell this House, quote, no one is firing anybody, but the bill says Mr. Gibson is, quote, terminated. To the Premier, if you believe you did the right thing, will you at least correct the record and admit that as of today, Lauren Gibson is no longer the elections commissioner. Please tell the truth. The Honorable, the Premier. The 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. As the Leader of the Opposition knows full well, uh, the position of Election Commissioner carries on uh, within the Office of the Chief Electoral Officer, uh, which has been responsible for the administration and enforcement of Alberta election law from 1905 uh, until uh, July of 2018, analogous to the system that exists in every other province. As the Chief Electoral Officer has said, quotes, last uh, Friday, all investigations begun by the Office of the Election Commissioner will continue under Election Alberta statutory mandate. Uh, and so, uh, that, that, Mr. Speaker, nothing could be more clear than that. The Honourable Leader of the Official Opposition. The Premier is wrong. The folks over there are not telling the truth and they know it. There is no elections commissioner right now and this public firing has intimidated anybody tasked with holding this Premier accountable. The investigation has already been compromised. This is classic political interference, intimidation and abuse of power. This is not, however, the classic behaviour of Democratic leaders. The House leader said there was no panic, but they passed the bill with an urgency of someone on the run from the law to the Premier. What are you hiding? Uh, the Honourable, the Premier. Absolutely nothing, Mr. Speaker. In fact, Bill 22 received more hours of debate than any other bill uh, before the legislature in this fall session. Let me carry on quoting from uh, the Chief Electoral Officer, who says that prior to July 2018, when the Office of the Election Commissioner was created, Elections Alberta was responsible for receiving complaints and conducting all investigations regarding non-compliance with the Election Act and the Election Finances and Contributions Disclosure Act. Elections Alberta is once again tasked with performing this regulatory role. It will resume the role in accordance with its uh, du duty to act independently and to apply the election and election finance legislation consistently and fairly. The Honourable, the Leader of the Official Opposition. Speaker, there's no such thing as anybody having a duty to act independently. The Supreme Court of Canada defines the rule of law as, quote, supreme over officials of the government and thereby preclusive of the influence of arbitrary power, end quote. But this Premier thinks he's above the law and that he can fire those who would hold him to account on a whim. Last week, the Premier forced this House to serve as his tool for this abuse of power. What is so damaging that this Premier has to abuse his power, corrupt this House, and break the rule of law to keep it secret. You're here. The Premier. Mr. Speaker, all of that sounds like the campaign of fear and smear we heard in the spring election that Albertans rejected. Instead, I'll, I'll quote from an independent officer who has been independently administering Alberta elections law for several years, who was in fact appointed by the previous NDP government when he said on Friday that quotes, all investigations begun by the Office of the Elections Commissioner will continue under Elections Alberta statutory mandate, unquote. All that's changed is that instead of the commission being accountable to the legislature or the government, the commissioner is now accountable to an independent arm's length official. All right, so there you go, the back and forth today in the House around Bill 22. One other bit of news from the, from the Dome that I think is, is of note, and uh, certainly got overshadowed last week and all the controversy around Bill 22, was this Bill 207. It was a private member's bill that was ostensibly aimed at protecting the conscience rights of doctors. But of course, doctors already have that. And that's part of the, the policies under the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta. But there's also a requirement then that doctors fulfill the needs of their patients. Patients have rights too. Uh, and that uh, patients have an opportunity to be referred elsewhere to get services that they need. So doctors aren't forced to do anything they don't want to do, uh, but they can't interfere with the health care that their patients need. Uh, so there were a lot of concerns about why there was a need for Bill 207 or what the actual intent of Bill 207 was. 
And it was also significant, I think, the fact that there were those in the UCP caucus uh, who were speaking out and saying, you know what, we don't need this bill, and I'm going to oppose this bill. Uh, so what ended up happening is that kind of quietly, Bill 207 was defeated at committee. And for all intents and purposes now, it's dead. Uh, so some questions to the government about that today. It was NDP MLA Janice Irwin uh, asking as to why this bill came forward in the first place and whether the government's willing to acknowledge that it was a mistake. A few days ago, four UCP MLAs stood with our caucus to vote down the repugnant Bill 207 in committee. This bill posed a real threat to the health care of many Albertans, and so I thank those UCP MLAs for standing up to protect Albertans' access to reproductive health services and medical assistance in dying. A few ministers also declared their opposition, including the minister responsible for status of women. But she did so without mentioning women's reproductive rights, abortion, or LGBTQ2S plus rights. Will she now acknowledge that Bill 207 was an attack on those rights? Thank you for the question. Bill 207 was redundant and unnecessary, and that is why I did not vote for it. Wow. The Honourable Member for Edmonton Highlands Norwood. UCP MLAs on the committee voted to uphold the rights of Albertans to access abortion and other reproductive health services, but given that the MLA for Carson Sika did vote in favor of this terrible bill, and during debate, he even tried to compare reproductive health to eugenics. Shameful. Will the Minister of Health reject this shocking and hurtful statement from the MLA and call for him to publicly apologize? Yeah. why I'm so proud to be part of this government is we committed uh, to being able to respect to respecting the private members process of this place and respecting free votes. Albertans were clear to us that they wanted their MLAs to be able to have free votes when it became to private members business before this house Mr. Speaker. I'm proud of this government for enshrining that within the standing orders of this legislature Mr. Speaker. We will continue to stand up for the rights of each individual member of this place to be able to exercise their conscience when it comes to private members business because that's what we promised Albertans. Promise made, promise kept. The Honourable Member caucus relied on support from anti-choice groups like Right Now and the Wilberforce Project, and given the Premier's long-standing opposition to abortion, including statements in the past comparing it to slavery, given that voting against Bill 207 could maybe indicate a potential fresh start pardon me, for this government on women's rights, will the Premier confirm that he himself will vote against any further attempts from his colleagues to limit reproductive rights? The Honourable, the Minister of Culture, Multiculturalism and the Status of Women. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker, and thank you for the question. Uh, I'm very honoured to be part of a very diverse caucus. It's a huge privilege to be able to debate in this House. But I am not, nor will anybody else on this front bench, be commenting on potential legislation that has not crossed our desk yet. Okay, so that's where things stand on Bill 207. Uh, you know, I think between the two, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the UCP. Uh, and, and these, I think, really were maybe more controversial than the government expected them to be. So one bill is dead, Bill 207. The other, of course, rammed through and is now a done deal. We'll take a short time out here. We'll come back. An opportunity for your reaction to some of this here. Rob Breckenridge with you. Back with more right after this. Next year, says the Speaker of the Legislature sounds like he's auditioning for a wrestling announcer gig. Uh, he, he brings a unique kind of take to his role. Uh, you know, from what I've, I've got from people in the past and in, in, you know, playing some equestrian period, uh, some people like it, others don't. 
Uh, so, I, I mean, I guess you're entitled to your opinion. I, I think Nathan Cooper was an interesting choice for this position. And he seems to have kind of a, almost kind of nerdy enthusiasm for it, which is maybe what you want from a speaker. Uh, so I, I don't mind it at all, actually. Um, it, it, it's it's kind of wearing on me in a good way. And, you know, and it's interesting, too, if you follow him on social media, he's posted some of these little behind-the-scenes videos just kind of explaining how things work procedurally at the Alberta legislature. So, uh, like I say, that's probably the kind of person you want in that role. And I guess... Uh, in terms of what's actually being debated, I mean, it's it's really kind of a moot point what the the speaker decides he wants to sound like. Um, let's see. Um, another text here. This one says, "Well, it sounds like exactly what uh, what Notley and Phillips were doing with the Castle Park area. The idea of just kind of ramming it through." You know, and this is one of the problems in politics is when you're in power. And you want to get something done and you're worried about controversy and you're worried about awkward questions from the opposition. There's that temptation to use the powers you have to get things done as quickly as possible. And then the other side of it is, of course, that the opposition will make a uh, you know, big show of calling you out on that. And then once they get into power, they'll probably end up doing the same thing. So, sure, there, there's some hypocrisy on both sides. Because the UCP and opposition were certainly critical uh, at times of what seemed to them like a disdain uh, from, from the NDP for democracy and, and open debate. And now I think that the UCP are doing the same thing here. So given what they said in the past about the NDP, there's some hypocrisy on the UCP's part. Given some of what the NDP tried to pull when they were in power, there's some hypocrisy on their part. That's fine. I get that. And, and that doesn't excuse either side here. In fact, it, it makes them both look worse. Uh, that you, you've been guilty of doing the same thing that you're doing now. It, it's not a, a pass here on the government, right? Just because you can point to something Rachel Notley might have done when she was premier that suggests maybe they weren't as open to full and, and uh, open scrutiny on certain piece of legislation. Uh, that doesn't give the uh, the government a pass here. So I think the government deserves to get called out on this. So I was certainly more than willing to call the NDP out on a lot of what they did. Look, if, if I think governments are doing the right thing, if I think they're implementing smart policy, uh, if I think they're respectful of the voters uh, and, and the House and open debate, I'll, I'll give them credit for that. If they're not, they deserve to be called out on that. Whatever hypocrisy exists in politics, I, I think those of us who follow it and comment on it should avoid ever being tainted by that. I mean, I would hate to ever be in a position where I'm criticizing something uh, and then someone calls me out and says, well, how come you didn't criticize that from the other side? How come you were okay with it then and not now? So I try to be consistent and that, that's probably all we can ask of one another is to try to be consistent. If politicians aren't, then, then sure, they should be called out on that too. Uh, I think Bill 22 was rammed through way too fast. I think it did deserve much more debate and scrutiny. You'd be hard-pressed to find examples of the Premier talking about any of this on the campaign trail. And yet he can't even rise in the House to introduce, or defend, or answer questions about this bill. And I think that's shameful. I certainly think it's a very awkward conflict here in firing Lorne Gibson. 
there will still be an election commissioner. Maybe that person will be able to, to pick up and carry on with this investigation with minimal interruption. But there's clearly an interruption. And furthermore, though, it just seems vindictive that this guy was a thorn in our side. This guy was investigating us. This guy was making us look bad. It feels like political retribution against an individual, even if these investigations are going to continue. And certainly they should, because if they don't, then what's controversial becomes scandalous. That if the government actually was able to shut down the investigation into themselves, whatever you think about the seriousness of the original investigation itself, uh, that would be shocking. And so if we've even come a step closer to that, I think it's something we should all be very concerned about. Uh, by the way, I got a text here. This one's interesting. It says, Rob, Nathan Cooper is a longtime friend of mine. I've known him since before he even got into politics, and I can assure you that's Nathan Cooper. He's one of the most genuine, down-to-earth people I know. He loves healthy, respectful debate. He is quite quirky, and as you say, he's a bit of a nerd. And I said it in a, a, a complimentary way. But it was the word that came to mind. Uh, he says, but I guarantee you he's not putting on much of an act for theatrics at all. No, I think that's, I think that's just him. So like I say, I, I don't mind that he brings his own approach to it, that he's being himself, and that he really seems to kind of relish the role of, of being the speaker. It's kind of a thankless job in a lot of ways, but really it's a very important job. And so you want someone who's going to take that responsibility seriously, because obviously, I mean, they're inherently partisan, right? You're taking an MLA who was elected as a politician and giving them a job where they're not really supposed to be political at all. And that can be an awkward transition. But I think Nathan Cooper's done a good job. I'd give him credit for that.